I'm Becca Piastrelli, and this is Belonging, where I talk about what it means to belong to the earth, to yourself, to your ancestors, and in community. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Belonging Podcast special episode, part two, talking about belonging with the women of Hearthfire. So this is part two of our conversation. If you didn't catch part one, go ahead, pause this episode, go back one episode in the feed, which if you're in real time was last week, to listen and and get caught up in the conversation that we're having here. So Hearthfire is a community, a virtual healing and support space that I facilitate. And it's filled with folks who are on their individual journeys to belonging, to rediscover their inner wisdom, to devote themselves to a life that truly nourishes them and breaking the cycles of overwhelm and loneliness and disconnection in these times, in these very challenging times where we can widen our perspective to the systems we live under, the harm we may unknowingly perpetuate, um, the ways we want and need to heal. It's a beautiful space that I love and I'm a part of. I say it's a circle. It's not like a lecture series. I'm not the teacher. We are in there together sharing vulnerably in a very brave container where we're at. And that includes me too. So I wanted to share a bit with this outside world to sort of resist that exclusivity culture, that like secret society vibe and be like, no, everyone can benefit from hearing the stories that we have to remember that we are not alone. And it's really hard to remember that, particularly in a moment when we're under-resourced, particularly in a moment when we believe the stories that we are alone and everyone else has got to figure it out. Social media proves that and blah, 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 you know? So I asked the women of Hearthfire to come on a call and they all consented to having their voices recorded and they were excited to share their stories for which I'm so grateful to share with the wider world. So this is part two of that conversation where we ask the simple yet not so simple conversation about the struggles and experiences with belonging we've had in different areas of our life with ourselves, with family and lineage, with feeling safe in community, with feeling at one with the wildness of nature. In these times, we cover a lot of different territory in in these two episodes, from grief to sexuality to friendship to earth connection to everything in between. So take a breath, take a moment, join us in this conversation because we really want the ripple effects to be felt far and wide. So let's jump back in. So I think my biggest struggle with belonging and journey with belonging has been around learning to belong to myself, especially 
you know, we've talked a bit about like these shadow parts and I've struggled a lot over the past 10 to 12 years with anxiety and depressive episodes. And that was always a part of me that I really pushed away and rejected and like didn't want to associate myself with. And I think that was reflected in the broader culture and who I socialized with too, in terms of feeling like like fragmented almost and how we have to show up like, oh, with this group, I can be this one part of me. And with this group, I can be this other part of me. But I kind of learned that there was no total acceptance of all of me in any one place. And then I started to internalize that and do that to myself. Like I can accept parts of me, but not all of me. And that's, I think with mental health, what I felt for so long was this rejection within myself of certain aspects of who I was and how I struggled. And so I don't know that I'm all the way there yet with the like fully belonging to myself, but I know I've been on this journey and of just bringing that all in and welcoming all of the shadow parts and all the dark parts and all the struggle and saying like, I can, I can love and accept this part of me too. And one of the most helpful parts of that process, I think for me has been receiving acceptance of those parts from others and feeling like those dark parts of me can belong and be welcomed. And that has shown me that I can also do that for myself. And so it's been, you know, sometimes in friendships like Kate talked about, sometimes in spaces like this and Hearthfire and other communities I've been a part of, just seeing that like unconditional acceptance, that sense of of not being alone that Justine just talked about has shown me like, and given me the tools to treat myself in those ways too, which I think we so often aren't taught growing up in this society. So I think that's my biggest journey is like how I've used community to learn to belong to myself. That's beautiful. I think especially because like mental health, there's still so much stigma with mental health and like depression and anxiety, like something's wrong with you, like get over it, you know? And I find often the way I, I look, I see myself, I feel see myself mirrored in your comment. So thank you in my own ways. And I, I often think like the way I'm judging myself is in no way the way I would like any of you, like if anyone came into my life and said those things, I'd be like, don't talk about my friend like that. She's a queen. Like she is glorious. And I love her depression and I love her anxiety and I love everything about it. So yeah, community heals. I think this individualist focused society where we have to like pull up our bootstraps and fix ourselves. Like that's hard. (laughs) That's hard. So that's beautiful that you've been able to receive that through community acceptance of all parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even hearing you say, like, she's a queen, I love her depression, I love her anxiety, it's just like brings tears to my eyes, you know? And I think you're so right, like, we don't, we don't give that to ourselves. And maybe the place we need to start is, especially as women, but as all people, like learning to give that to each other more so that we can in turn learn to give it to ourselves. Yeah, the modeling. If we can model it for each other, then like we can strengthen our physiology and our psychology to be like, okay, I could do that for me too. Mm-hmm. And it actually feels pretty good. Yeah. Thank you, Kelsey. Lindsay. 
Yeah, so I resonate with everything that you said, Kelsey, like so, so deeply. And also, I mean, every single one of you that I've shared so far. But yeah, definitely the depression and anxiety. It's something that I feel that I have to hide. So I don't let my loved ones or friends worry about me because I know they do. And they, yeah, they deeply worry about me. And I, I always hide it. And then it comes to a point where they're like, are you okay? And I'm just like, no. And I've been struggling for so long and you didn't know it. It's like this deep, deep shame, so much shame around it. Like I shouldn't feel depressed. I shouldn't feel anxious. This isn't normal. I'm not normal. Something is wrong with me. And whether that be trauma, um, just social anxiety or like circumstantial things, it doesn't matter. It's just always feel this deep shame around my depression and anxiety and like taking medicine for that and things like that. And I often feel like similar to Kate, I'm also 23. And I also feel that I am kind of like a baby fawn, like trying to get my legs underneath me, trying to understand belonging and how it plays into my life. And I think I definitely struggle with feeling like I belong to myself because, you know, just now as Kelsey was sharing, I really realized that this is probably like the first space other than therapy that I felt like I could truly be myself. I can truly open myself up and say, hey, this is me, messy, wild, good, bad, whatever. Like, this is what I'm struggling with. And like, that's what it is. And it's, it's not good or bad necessarily. It's just me and that's okay. And it's like deeply, deeply like emotional and knowing to like finally be that way. And it's not even like in these circles in this space that it's like reciprocal, like, okay, like, I'll witness you and you witness me. It's nothing like that. It's just like, it's like this powerful circle that's just like hard to, I don't know, articulate and describe. And it's helped me so much and feeling like I'm belonging to myself and understanding that belonging isn't like getting from point A to point B. It's the journey. It's, you know, belonging isn't really a place you go to. It's a journey it's a method of just like you know feeling about yourself and feeling accepting of yourself and I've also had um like really strong female friendships like Kate has said um but you know even in those 10 years strong um really strong friendships it um I don't know I don't always feel like I can share every every part of myself and I think that's also because I'm scared it's not because anything wrong that they've done it's because I don't want to be that vulnerable I don't want them to worry about me and everything like that. And it's realizing that as a friend, they want to hold that space for me as much as Hearthfile wants to hold the space for me too. And I have to allow myself to be seen before I can begin to heal and before I can begin to kind of transform, if that makes sense, and stand on my little baby fawn legs. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm, yes. Thank you so much. The <laughs> Kelly just commented in the chat box about how that was just like gold, pure medicine for my heart and soul. And same, I was giving you the snaps on mute because I think there's so much there around the hiding, the hidiness and the not wanting to be a burden or wanting to please or date or the projection onto others, which um, I, I was a pro at which was like, they can't handle it. They are too traumatized. They haven't had enough therapy. They haven't worked with the goddesses or like whatever, you know, <laughs> like, which is such so unfair. 
you know, cause all of us are, have baby fawn legs, you know, at various stages with various parts of belonging. It doesn't matter how old we are. I mean, I've heard old, I've heard crone aged women say these same things you're saying, Lindsay, you know, and, and I think to, I always try to remind myself and try to remind others, like we all desire this. We desire this level of connection and maybe it looks different for people and maybe there's different spiritualities involved or dogmas or whatever. And this is one flavor. Hearth fire is one flavor and ways of relating are one flavor, but can we lean in to the fact that maybe this person has that ability to hold us and actually what we need to look at is can we reveal ourselves can we reveal our truths you know of course with boundaries and all of it and trust ourselves that's really what I'm hearing you say as you're working on really trusting yourself to be like hello world this is Lindsay and that takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of courage and it's beautiful it's really mm-hmm. beautiful thank you for your words Jana. Hi. Wow. I just, I, I have to start with just feeling really struck by everything that has been said in this space already. And just feeling like, as I was reflecting on these questions over the week, the thing that just kept coming through is the sense of like myself being mirrored back to me, my words being reflected back to me, my, and just how in, in the process of witnessing, it's like you also are seeing yourself. And it's really striking me again today, just uh, hearing all of your words. And there's a couple of things for me in terms of belonging that, that have come up. One of them has to do with my sexuality and the confusion that comes with being a cis female person and not being straight and having lots of Like I had a lot of really rocky, tumultuous friendships (laughs) through all of my life, mostly because I didn't quite understand who I was or where I fit. And in my experience, I'm 40 now. So when I was in my teenage years, early teenage years, it was like 80s to 90s. (laughs) It was like 90s. So, you know, at that time, it just felt like girls moved in packs. They looked certain way they had to put all this stuff on and and I really tried to keep up with that because it was like I've got you know that need and that desire to belong and to be a part of but just always feeling split for myself that I couldn't ever reveal who I really was uh, what I truly felt and and that my friendships off often were extremely confusing because that closeness would lead to a lot of internal conflict for me personally in terms of how to how to be close and it became dangerous it felt dangerous in some moments like in case my my truth might be shown I might lose everything and so I feel like I when we did this um, I think it was the first sister call I took a part of where we had the maiden mother crone images and the, the first thing in the, in the maiden section for me is the split early on, just like, and, and a big tangle <laughs> and a lot of years of like towards where I am now, where the, the threads are starting to become a little bit more distinct and I'm understanding how they relate to each other and where my pain points were and like, you know, all the kind of 
different layers of intricacies and I'm able to now have really strong female friendships and really deep female friendships without any extra like confusion about what that is. So yeah, that, I think that was a really, really big struggle and it took a lot of, it took years of therapy and like coming to a point where I could come out to my family. I was 30. I was, you know, fairly old, older, I guess. I didn't have access to language of like safe language in terms of people identifying themselves as gay or as uh, anything other than straight. And also I should say, I'm not gay. I'm, I'm queer. I'm somewhere in the middle. I've had great relationships with men. So it's, you know, that's like an extra layer of like, who, who are you? Like what you don't, you know, and a lot of my gay friends at the early on were just like, you are either gay or you're not gay. And there's just like, so then there's like even more complexity. It's just, you know, I think, it, wow, I just feel now discovering more and more how to touch those parts of myself that, that have been lost or in pain or excluded or where I self-excluded or where I didn't or choked where I was not speaking myself, my truth and, and, and healing each piece of that along the way and knowing that it's not done that it may you know that part may never be done it's it's you know there's as you said it's like that that onion that it's just like there it is again there it is again there it is again and um i think that's part of like you know the need for humor and levity and other people to see you and hear you so thank you so much for for your witness of that story for that part of my story Oh, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, the the politics of belonging in marginalized spaces are quite an interesting thing, you know, in, in queer communities, in Black, Indigenous, people of color communities, in female communities, you know, this, like, we've had to survive under this, like, overarching system that has never told us that we belong, and then the way that can cannibalize in, in spaces, um, you know, I'm a white cis woman, so for me, it's like female spaces is primarily what I'm speaking to, but I really, um, I hear you in like, particularly when you say your gay friends are like, you're gay or straight, like there's just the way the binaries, the way the overculture permeates is something to look at and to speak to. And so I'm just so honored to witness you. We're using this term witnessing, which is the not fixing, which is the emptying ourselves out of any sort of like any sort of reaction beyond I hear you and I see you. So thank you, Deanna, for that. Okay, so we'll go Allie and then we'll go Allison. So Allie first. Okay, I if you can hear it, it just started thundering and raining. So that kind of felt like perfect. The world <laughs> saying it's time <laughs> for me to use my voice a little bit. So for me, a really big catalyst for a sense of struggling to belong started with, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 29. And I see such a mirror of myself in Azalea's story of, of then looking around me and seeing that no one knew what to do with me. None of my peers, none of my friends, none of my community knew how to 
support me, how to be there for me. I didn't know what I needed from them. We hadn't seen how to grieve, how to process, how to hold someone up with, with a cancer diagnosis so young. Um, and I personally didn't know anyone who had been diagnosed with breast cancer under the age of 60 at that point. So I felt like I didn't have anyone I could go to. And retrospectively looking back now and, and in doing the work that we do here in Hearthfire, I realized that what I needed most was just for my people to sit with me and help carry the weight. I didn't need them to bring a casserole. <laughs> I didn't need them to bring flowers or a card. I just needed them to be there. I didn't need them to say anything. And if they wanted to say something, I think the best thing for me, ooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think the most powerful thing for me for them to say would have been, how is this feeling for you? How are you feeling in your body? What's, what's happening for you right now? What's the hardest thing for you right now? What do you need to voice right now? I think I was afraid to share that with the people around me if they hadn't asked for it. Similar to what Lindsay was saying as well of like, this is too much for you to carry, me projecting that on them if they hadn't asked. And, and so I think I've just started to learn a lot more about that in this space of, of what I need and what I can help provide to other people. My journey of starting to feel like I belonged again started at a retreat for breast cancer survivors where I met 12 other women and spent the weekend healing with them and hearing their stories and talking about our cancer journeys like it was our favorite pet as we were walking down the street. It was just everyone had one. And we just talked about it like it was normal. It didn't feel so heavy. For the first time, it didn't feel so heavy. And I think that this space does a beautiful job of helping you process things in a way that doesn't feel as heavy and just allowing them to be and I think that's just such a beautiful thing. And I thank you all for helping create this space together to hold that because it's so important. So thank you. Thank you for your words. You don't always need the casserole. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> thank you for that reminder. <laughs> ah, beautiful. Thank you for all of that, Nelly. Okay, Allison. Month by month, I am just like continually blown away by the women in this group and the wisdom that is here. It's such a gift I give to myself. So thank you for all being here. And just it's a good reminder for me to just keep showing up. My path to belonging, I feel, is... It's like the piece that I feel most called to is the piece that I feel like I can never quite get my hands around, even though I spend so much of my time and energy and focus and study on, and it's the land and feeling belonging to my physical home, the place 
the city, the state, the native land that I am just on, the overall world and where my place is there. You know, like growing up just a suburban white girl with parents that loving parents, but not parents that like spent time outdoors, took us outside, you know, like we played in the pool and played softball, you know, it was like those kind of very suburban things that you spend time outside. And there's just always such a longing. I remember like the first time I went to summer camp and just going through the creek, like everyone at camp thought I was like a weirdo. But then some joined me because your kids and kids eventually see you having fun and want to join you. But I just went through the creek. Like I didn't want to go on the path. I just wanted to be like in it. And I was like covered in mud. And like, I just, it's just like such this thing that I had never experienced that felt so needed. And, you know, it's like, then I went and studied, you know, environmental science. And then like, all of my friends always are like, Allison, how do I live more sustainably? Allison, how do I do more of this? Like, cause like, that's what I preach. That's what I love. And it's like, but there's this feeling of like disconnect from it, regardless how many trails I hike, how many campgrounds I spend time in. Like, there's just this cultural break that like, I can't tap into. And it's like, so tender you're belonging to the land, like, it's each, each our own things. It's like such a miss, you know, and I think as a white woman that lives in the United States, like, you have even a harder time feeling like it's your right to try to connect with the earth that you are living in, you know, or on. And so then that brings up stuff and it's like, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's challenging and it's a hard path to be on. And I feel like this desire to belong to the earth then leads me to find belonging in myself. It leads me down the path of ancestral belonging, you know, wanting to go on a pilgrimage, perhaps, Becca, you know, to Ireland, maybe, um, and, and, you know, stand on that land and be there with it. And they're just all like, they all weave into one another. And it's like, interesting how we get to on our path of belonging, but then like, you start on one, and then it feeds the other and feeds the other and just doing finding your way, you know, and it's like, regardless, I find I have a hard time that it's like, what is the thing that will make me feel the way that I want to feel, you know, like the desire that I feel when I've spent days away from my phone, days away from the city. And like, I am out on a trail far away. It's like, I get these like small moments of peace and small moments of quiet where the anxiety drops and the chatter leaves And it's like this moment of peace. And it's like following the moon cycle, sitting in the city of San Diego, growing my garden, filling my house with plants, finding good essential oil, like none of that. Like, I like, how do I find it? You know, and I just feel like I'm always searching for that, you know, and it's like, 
in our modern life, I've got to figure out a way, you know, it's like as much as we can make fun of like the tips of how to do it. It's like our life sort of requires us to be in certain spaces at certain times. And like, this is where I am in this space and this time. So like, how can I feel the most belonging in my current reality, knowing this might not always be my reality. You know, it's like, I've got the vision of like living in the mountains one day and I know I'm going to get there, but it's like in this moment, how do I get there? And so showing up in circles like this, diving in, questioning, being with others that are also on a path, it's, it's just affirming that, um, you know, we will find our way slowly but surely. So thanks. Thank you. I got tears in my eyes hearing you. I, I feel this so deeply as well. And um, I wonder if, if there's just a lot of grieving to be done in this, on this path because of the generations of severing from the land. You know, of, of all of a sudden we're here, you know, I'm, I'm here and I am a, a white woman living in suburbia, right? And just like, wh- how did we get here? Like, how did, how did we get here? Because I know we were once there, you know, the in, in deep indigenous connection to the land, my ancestors in, in Europe, right? And like, that's painful to really feel how we got to this place of like relying on technology, like we're all in technology right now and being afraid of plants might hurt us and like what is home. So I'm really just in a rambly way saying thank you for in your own tender share. Something is being brought up in me from witnessing you that I'm realizing needs to be grieved because I, I wonder if sometimes I effort through it. I just like, well, just like get in the garden and watch permaculture YouTubes, Becca. <laughs> You'll get there. Exactly. <laughs> like, you just sit here and cry. Uh, that's a good point. So thank you for your words, Allison. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, is there anything else that wants to be said before we close? Yeah, Caitlin. The thread I keep seeing in all of this, and Allison, I want to echo your sentiments. I'm just like, call by call, just floored by the depth and richness that continues in these calls. And like, when I'm at a point where I'm like, wow, we did it. Like, this is it. Then the next time it goes deeper and it's like, wow, okay. (laughs) Learn something every day. (laughs) Like, how deep can we go? So it's exciting and it's a gift and we really are weaving something special here. And to tie it back to, you know, all the shares we've had and what you've said in the beginning, Becca, about like so much of our feeling of not belonging is due to these oppressive systems that we live within and all of them, really, all of us, all of them forcing us into this deeply binary thinking of all things. You know, when you think of like, your child self before you've really been indoctrinated into those things and you are belonging to your friends and you are belonging to the wild that you play with it and you are belonging to your family and you are belonging to yourself you don't think about like oh I'm belonging right now it's just like you just are 
but then, you know, then you belong to a church and some people don't belong to that church. And then you belong to a sport team, but then there are people on the other team and they're bad. And then you belong to a school and other kids go to another school and soon you're part of like friend cliques. And these are all structures that, I mean, like it's important to like belong to a group of people, but there's like a tipping point where it's like, like especially in click culture, like you belong with your click and like, the way to belong is to make sure that like the other people definitely don't belong. And so if you're with those other people and one other person is like experiencing something different from you, then suddenly you don't, you don't belong to them. And so that's not okay, you know? And so I think we get to this point where we're like, we know people in our lives who like, get a major health diagnosis or are experiencing grief or like severe depression or like loss that like we aren't experiencing. And so that makes our relationship bad and wrong. And so we have to like project whatever they're experiencing is commentary about us somehow. And that's why we wanna like tamp it down and be like, oh well, at least you can get pregnant or something like hurtful when we're just trying to I don't know, make it about us. And that's one of the the beautiful, like the most valuable thing that I've like learned from you, Becca, in this space of hearth fire is this skill of witnessing. And it's not like, it's not just being like cold and callous and being like, you're gonna say something and I'm just gonna sit and not react. It's, I'm gonna sit with you in this thing and it doesn't matter if I can relate to it or not. I'm just letting you be everything that you are and like being, next to you in it and that doesn't say anything about me and um i mean i've experienced this in like our hearth fire sister circles where like i think our most recent one like someone in the circle shared like they were having like a really great week actually and like we're celebrating things and then it was my turn and i was like i'm angry and upset and i just started like bawling and it didn't say anything about that like it didn't diminish their happiness and their happiness didn't diminish like what I was going through and we were still belonging together and that's a skill that I'm like I'm saying all this because I'm deeply trying to figure out how to make this happen across the board for myself too but I think that that's something anyone listening to this can maybe take away is like how when you relate to other people when you relate to your land when you relate to your ancestry when you like relate to yourself your own sense of being where are you projecting meaning that is like actually creating a divide and how can you just be with that thing and see how it actually like brings you deeper into belonging with that thing or yourself or others dang <laughs> thank you thank you for those words thank you for showing up here because you like kind of work here too (laughs) so it's cool that you kind of work here and you're also like in the work with us Mm -hmm. that's so beautiful we're a circle right Yeah, and I, I too wish for, I, that's really what I see Hearthfire being is this, I've been saying like a laboratory, which is kind of, a, I don't know why that works for me, but like a place where we can practice, you know, a place where we can model, because we all acknowledge like 
there's tender spaces or we feel like baby with fawn legs in these spaces or we feel new and we're feeling and so in this space where we have agreements for being here and you know confidentiality and consent and all these things that we can work it and the whole point is that this ripples out into our communities when we're ready and when it's right and um yeah i'm just so grateful to all of you for the way you show up you know the way you show up for yourself and it's for each other it's for yourself and it's also for those yet to be like the ripple effects that it will that will happen for years you know after each conversation each moment of witnessing each moment of being witnessed so i'm just so grateful that you also took time out of your day to come and share Thank you, Kate, Azalea, Justine, Kelsey, Lindsay, Jana, Ali, Allison, and Caitlin for being here and sharing where you are in the journey, what you've learned, what you're struggling with, all of it. I'll see you all in Hearts Fire very soon. Lots of love to you and everyone listening. Thank you for taking a peek inside this special space. And I send you love and appreciation for being a part of this conversation energetically spiritually emotionally however it landed for you so lots of love talk soon oh thank you so much for listening in i hope this conversation served you i could have conversations like these every day frankly i find them so nourishing and helpful in the individual and collective work we are all in in this second part you heard the voices of kelsey mack lindsay mccants jana maring ali salter allison wright and caitlin bream i hope that it served you and thank you for listening